Our next guest is a former Canadian Forces naval officer and government manager who blew the whistle at Transport Canada back in 2006 about marine safety regulations and who is the author of a new piece at theconversation.com entitled A Former Whistleblower Explains the Dangers of Canada's Feeble Whistleblowing Laws. A pleasure to say good morning and welcome to Professor Ian Brown from the uh, Department of Law and Ethics at Carleton University in in Ottawa, Professor Braun joins us today from Kingston, Ontario. Ian, good morning and welcome. Good morning. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about uh, back in 2006, uh, uh, what you did as a whistleblower so we can, uh, it, it helps us understand a little bit more about what you went through. Well, uh, I, I was noticing that there was the, the, the rules weren't being properly enforced and there were all kinds of gaps in the, in the rules for uh, maritime security. This is post 9-11, remember, when everybody was very concerned about uh, terrorists sneaking weapons and bombs into Canada. Sure. And I tried raising things internally. I, I had a boss who was, uh, well, utterly incompetent and uh, and a little bit corrupt, frankly. And, uh, and I tried raising things internally, and it just went nowhere. So then I went outside, and the organizational response was off the charts. I, I couldn't believe it. I heard... They convened a week-long meeting on how to get back at me. I was uh, there was allegations of harassing the people I was blowing the whistle on. Um, they came after me for security violations, all sorts of things. None of it stuck, but the point is to make you suffer, not to uh, to be proven right. And and I just found it, uh, besides being exhausting, I just found it a very interesting phenomenon. Not just how they came after me, but how people who weren't even implicated. Uh, joined in and assisted in the reprisal. So in, instead of dealing with the issue that you brought forward, uh, they got de- defensive, circled the wagons, nothing to see here, folks, let's shoot the messenger instead, right? Exactly. And that, it, was, it, was, uh, it was quite something. And, and the worst part of the whole thing was that they learned nothing from the exercise. Nothing improved as a result. And the same people that I implicated in my disclosure ended up being people making key decisions in, uh, on the rail side. So you'll remember in 2013, the Lac Megantic uh, disaster, of where course, 47, yes. 48 people died. Exactly the same people were involved in, in the decisions that led up to that. Interesting stuff. So let's talk about these feeble laws that you address in your piece at the conversation, Ian. You, you, we have laws. We, we understand the fact that we do have whistleblowing laws of some description, but scratch the average Canadian, and that's about where the understanding ends. You say they're feeble. How so? Well, the laws appear to be designed primarily to channel uh, whistleblowers through a set avenue. And once it goes through that avenue they can make them disappear eventually. Uh, it just You can't access the information through access to information laws, and it doesn't seem to have done anything to stop reprisals because it doesn't really have teeth. There are no real consequences for the people who make these reprisals. Another thing is the, the standards on investigations are so um, loose that a lot of allegations just get dropped because they don't fit under what the definition of wrongdoing is and that sort of thing. They only really exist in the public sector. Anybody who thinks that there's protected in the private sector, say if you're working for a company, there's really nothing there at all. So Interesting. As, as feeble as the laws are for public servants, 
they're non-existent for people in the private sector. Let's use another example, and you quoted in your article, so this is someone that everyone listening will remember. Uh, this, is, this is a COVID example, so it's very recent, and we found out about long-term care residents, particularly in Ontario and Quebec, because that's where the first big report about uh, health care delivery uh, during COVID in long-term care facilities came from, uh, and people who re- published those reports, whistleblowers leaking reports about the neglect in some of these facilities, the whistleblower got fired. A doctor who spoke up in support of the whistleblower uh, faced reprisals. So uh, what happened? Do you mean in terms of the the doctor who faced reprisal? No, but what, what happened to the report, the actual substance of which they got some into some serious hot water for themselves? They got into trouble because they told the truth about something. What happened to the truth that they told? Absolutely nothing. I'm sure you'll be very surprised to hear that. Things didn't improve. I mean, they the typical response after a whistleblowing like that is they'll patch over the problem really quickly, you know, with some you know metaphorical duct tape. Okay, look, it's all fine now, no problem. But it, things quickly go back to the way they were, and that, uh, that's basically what the what happened here. But more importantly, the message is to anybody else who wants to speak up about problems in the future. They now know to keep their mouth shut. Right. So while there are laws ostensibly protecting whistleblowers, essentially the framework is to, is intended to discourage whistleblowers. Well, they would never admit that. But that has been the effect. There hasn't been any increase in whistleblowing. And working with different whistleblowing groups, I've actually found we've had fewer people who are willing to step forward since these laws have been enacted. And I, I have a hard time believing it's because our institutions have become better or are operated with more integrity. Ian, we don't have a lot of time left, but compare our whistleblower protection to other regimes that we're familiar with, the Brits, the Americans, and so on. Are ours more feeble than theirs, or is this really a cosmetic exercise by most countries? Well, a little of both, actually. Uh, There is some cosmetic aspects to most of these laws, but The Americans have been in this business for about 50 years, and they have consistently had people pushing for improvements. So they are better than most. For example, they have incentives for people in the financial sector to bring forward issues. Uh, The U.K. has a not bad law that applies to everybody. They're not happy with it either, but it's still better than ours. There was an international study done uh, a couple of years ago looking at a whole bunch of different ones, and we came at the bottom of uh, a list of about 30 countries. Interesting. And the Phoenix pay system is something that affects thousands of uh, employees of the government of Canada all over the country. Uh, It's been a real boondoggle. Harper brought it in, and nobody's fixed it properly still after all those years. Employees who have been affected adversely by this, too frightened to speak up about it. So, again, this is whistleblower protection? I doubt it, right? Exactly. You know, we we tried, uh, me and some other advocates tried to uh, reach people who worked at the pay centers. And we had people speaking to us once, twice, three times, and then suddenly they get too scared and they disappear. Interesting. So as you say, and I'm quoting again from your article, Ian, it's the the very last paragraph, improving the laws would be a start, but must be accompanied by renewed initiatives in training, awareness, and more fundamentally, a change of culture at top levels. As the COVID pandemic has shown, our lives may depend on it. Uh, Very quickly, any appetite for a change of culture with respect to whistleblowers by those in power right now? 
I don't see it. Um, they still tend to see whistleblowing as a problem rather than a solution. Interesting stuff. Ian Braun, uh, thanks very much for this. We appreciate your time on a weekend when you're enjoying a, a class reunion, no less. We appreciate your taking a few moments to be with us here on the radio in Vancouver today. No problem. Have a great day. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.